This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. For the Fedora Chronicles radio show number 93, I was invited by the Ringe Jaffrey Fitzwilliam Republican Committee to interview Hal Shirtliff about his talk on the deep state and how it is a nonpartisan problem and a concern for all Americans. You can find out more about Mr. Shirtliff and Camp Constitution by going to the show page, thefedorachronicles.com slash radio, and choose the link for episode 93. Special thanks to Jillian Laplatier for the invitation and the Ringe Meeting House for the use of the building. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Thank you for, for joining me again. This is the second time you've been in my hot seat. I don't know if you remembered. About four or five years. Four or five years ago. We're talking about Agenda 21. Exactly. And very, very controversial. And But this time you're coming back to talk about the deep state. Yes. We also have two friends of yours. Um, off to your left, we have... Earl Nelson. Okay. Uh, let's see. Earl, if we could just get your microphone closer okay. to you. And Earl, you're running for sheriff. Yes, I am. All right. What And... To your left, we have uh, Joe Cartwright, County Commissioner. Okay, and so the thing is, uh, um, Hal just gave a, a brilliant talk on the deep state, and this is a topic that we've talked about many times on my website. And um, just to reiterate again, what what is the deep state? Um, well, these would be people that are within the government that are not elected for the most part, and not as much accountability as they should be. And they're collaborating with uh, organizations and entities that are trying to destroy our republic, the bottom line. Yeah. And uh, the term, when you say the deep state, 15 or 20 years ago, we might have said the establishment. Right. And, uh, and then, of course, you've heard that term a lot. The left used that term, the establishment. But then you would define that. And I think one of the key organizations of, of the deep state is a group called the Council on Foreign Relations. Right. Uh, this, what we know known as the CFR. Yeah. And here's a small group of about 4,000 people that have enormous amount of control. And their agenda, and it's spelled out, you can get their quarterly journal, the agenda is some type of world government. We're talking like the... Like a, like the New world order, New world order, global governance, and you don't you don't hear that word as much as we used to. When uh, Daddy Bush made reference to it back in 1992 at a joint session of Congress, uh, he said it, and I think it opened up a lot of eyes. Yeah, and they no longer could say conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, because then he defined it. Yeah, he said a UN is envisioned by its founders. So that's deeply troubling to most people who knew anything about the UN. And uh, this deep state, it goes back many years. It's not something that just popped up during the Trump administration. Um, I think I don't know the first time I heard the term deep state. Yeah. You know, we would say the establishment or the insiders. Yeah. Um, you know, we would listen to guys like Rush Limbaugh, and he ca- he talked about the media elite. Yeah. That are control, but he would never name names and organizations. And if you said, "Hey, tr- uh, yeah, you're right," and these are the groups, bingo, you're off the air. Oh, you're a wacko. And that's been the narrative. But thankfully, thanks to so sources like yours and the alternative media, that this information is getting out a lot more so. A lot of people are, are asking, and, there's, and they're, they're probably going to be scratching their head, is this, 
a conspiracy that's being run by Republicans or Democrats? Yes. Is it, it, yeah, okay, so so, so <laughs> yes. the thing is, is yeah. that you can actually say that there are people within all the branches of government in all political parties who are members of the deep state. How do we know this? How do we know this? By, well, in some cases, by their voting record or by their actions. I mean, let's look at uh, look at George. Look at George W. Bush. He uh, was in Canada. Uh, I don't know what year it was, and he was talking about the Gulf War too. And he said something to the effect that um, he said uh, that he said, "I listen to people. I get advice, but I do what I think is in the best interest of the American people." Well, that that's not that's not his job description. That's totally false. The people around him, right? Look at Dick, Dick Cheney. Here's an example. Yep. His vice president was the ultimate deep stater. You can find a video on, uh, a video on YouTube where he's speaking to the Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah. This was their, one of their annual gatherings. I think David Rockefeller was in attendance, and he's laughing about his membership in the CFR. He said something to the effect that, "Oh, I've been a proud member. I've been on the board of directors for so many years." but I'd never told my constituents back home and people were laughing. In other words, if people knew I was a CFR member, I probably wouldn't have got elected. Exactly. But now he's vice president. He's on account. You know, he's, he can say that. And that's, these meetings are non-attribution. About, somehow it got on YouTube and he's just admitting it. Yes. And then I pointed out, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Go I got a question for you, Hal. Sure. How do you become a member of CFR? You fill an app. No, you have to. Uh, you fill an application. <laughs> you do it. You have to be asked to be a CFR member. So and you have to have a sponsor. What, what are usually the qualifications? You have to be a, like a CEO of a big company. You have to be a big politician. Or I think it helps. Or you could be an up and coming person. You know, some young like an uh, Obama. Like an Obama. I mean, look at Obama. He, where did he come from? Nobody remembers him at Columbia. They remember or a little about Law, or they, Harvard. They remember Law. like there's a picture of him at Harvard Square, right? But nobody knows what he did at Columbia. He was a uh, he was a community organizer, and then he's a state senator for what one term, one term, two terms, and then I remember the Democrat convention in Boston. He was one of the speakers, and everyone, oh, he's the future of the party. You don't even know who this guy is, and everyone's saying he's the future of the party. And next thing you know, he's president. He served what? Not even a full term in the Senate, and. And he's the most qualified guy to be president How of the United States. Know? How did we know? How did we know that he was the most qualified person? Because we were told by the, the kept media, by ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, CNN, MSNBC. Here's the craziest thing, because the thing is, is that um, one of my fellow members, um, staff members on the Fedora Chronicles, we actually had, we were going to actually go to Harvard Law and we were... It, looking for evidence that Obama actually attended law school there. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to actually meet with some of his professors. And this, I think this is like when we were hung up on the idea that, hey, look, maybe this is an outsider who can change everything, nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. We were told campus security, that don't bother, don't come, because you will be Escort put away. Yeah. You will be put away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that it was like, we get caught up in these movements, these pop culture phenomenons mm -hmm. with these candidates. Do you think that that is created by the, you know, the, the it's CFL? It's artificially created. Well, there's no question about it. But again, this guy comes out of nowhere. Then there's, next thing you know, he's a household name. There's book. Jimmy Carter was another example. He was governor of... 
Georgia. Georgia. I believe. He was on a show, I think, uh, What's My Line? Or, you know, and, and nobody knew who he was. Right. I mean, he wasn't uh, outside of Georgia. And he gets invited to, uh, um, he gets invited to the trial. David Rockefeller got, somehow got, you know, got his attention. Or he got David Rockefeller's yeah. attention. Next thing you know, he's a trilateral commission member. He's president of the United States. Well, does he bring to mind the Yale University and the, uh, the Skull and Bones? And Bones. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, maybe a lot of the people who are members of Skull and Bones are the same people we're talking about. Well, the Skull and Bones is much smaller. Um, it was very, very interesting. Uh, Charlotte Isabet uh, was a lady up in Maine. She was a whistleblower for the federal gov- uh, U.S. government. She worked for the Reagan administration, yeah. the Department of Education, when she saw what they were doing. Well, uh, there's a book that came out by Anthony Sutton. I mentioned him in this presentation. Right. It was called the, the, or- the Secret Order, I think it was called. Um, actually, there were several books, and he combined them to one. And he said in the foreword, or the, the introduction, that he never believed in this conspiracy until a source put on his tables, I'm paraphrasing, uh, some information about the skull and bones. So yeah. this is what happened. Charlotte's father was on his deathbed. She was taking care of him. And they mailed him, the, for the first time, they mailed him, uh, her, uh, him, I get the father, uh, a copy of former member, deceased members and current members, because you don't resign. It's not like you're, you're a member for, for life. Uh, and he, he, even if you may never do anything, you're a skull and bonesman. And she mailed these to Anthony Sutton. And he looked at this and said, my goodness, this is peop- the people who ruled the country. And it was, what, there's four, is it four or five every year that are appointed? Five? I think it's five. Or maybe, no more than seven. So you look at seven times how many, and it goes back to the uh, 1830s. And some people say it's the second generation Illuminati. I don't know if that's true right, or not. Right. But this fellow who, uh, the Russell, it was called the Russell Trust, he went to Germany, came back, uh, and founded this organization. And it's a secret society. There's rumors of what they do there, but not too many. I don't think there have been too many whistleblowers, but uh, you know, they're uh, definitely not a Christian patriotic, or patriotic organization. It was interesting, too. Uh, George W. and John Kerry Ran, both ran for president at the same time, both with skull and bones. And again, we're looking at, you know, maybe there's less than a thousand people at any one time. Yeah. That's, what are the odds, you know, of that happening? It's pretty, ex- it looks pretty, pretty extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Those are extraordinary yeah. odds. There was a movie that came out called Bones, yes. which I didn't, I didn't think of, but there was a movie earlier than that, came out in the late 60s, early 70s. It was called, uh, Glenn Ford starred in it, and um, Dean Jagger, and uh, the guy who played Grandpa Walton, who, uh, Gear, Gear or Greer? I think so, I think it's yeah, Greer. Who actually was a heart leftist, uh, but it was, that was the better one. Okay. Yeah, that was the better one, and I'm trying to think what it's called. It's, it, it was uh, smothered, I think it was shown once, and you can get bootleg, you can find it on YouTube, and they probably take it down every so yeah. often, but. Uh, I have another question for you. Yeah. Talking about the deep state. That can happen in a local government, can't it? Well, the deep state, yeah, you can sell the shallow state, yeah, but definitely, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you know. And I look at uh, the states have been willing partners in this uh, federal government, uh, expansive federal government, and that's usually done by money, you know. Right. And of course, up and coming. I mean, you look at the state houses of the minor leagues for D.C. Right? Correct. You know, the uh, there was a guy who was in so-called. He was in charge of the drug issue in Massachusetts under um, Deval Patrick, and he was a disaster. You can't think of his name offhand. But Botticelli, yeah, Botticelli. 
So what happens? He ends up going to the Obama administration. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, here's a minor league play that can't hit 100 in average, but now he's going to the Obama. He's going to Peter play Principal. for he's going to play for the Peter, Washington. Peter, Peter he, he's, he's, he's going to fail upwards. Yeah, exactly. Well, did, but he, well, his failure by IR, 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 our eyes was actually success. That's what they wanted him to do, yeah. you know? Yeah. And there was a lady that was in charge of the MBTA. And uh, now she was a Democrat. I think she was appointed by uh, Duval. And um, one of the snowstorms we had, the MBTA, I mean, the MB, everything can break down. You can't get out of your house, but the, tra- the, the MBTA will run. The yeah. trolleys and trains will yep. run. They broke down pretty badly. Yeah. And he, she was fired. Obama hires her, you know. So yeah. you did a miserable job in Massachusetts. Congratulations. Come here right. and work for us in D.C. But it's not just Obama, though. I mean, you, oh, look, that's at, right. you look at, I mean, on both sides of the political aisle. I re- I'm sure that everybody here sitting in this room, including Julian, thank well, you so the, much for bringing this together, yeah. by the way. You, would you like to take the microphone and, and, and say a couple of things? You know, introduce yourself real quickly. But the thing is, it was just like um, George W. Bush became a phenomenon during the 2000 election. That's right. You look at somebody like John McCain, say whatever you want about John McCain. He was a maverick. He was saying all the great things that we wanted to hear, you know, as conservative voters. Mm -hmm. And if you were a member of, you know, of the, of the, Republican Party. He was he was hitting all the right. He was like a little a, a, like a um, a little bit of Bernie Sanders, a little bit of um, Ron Paul, mm-hmm. Rand Paul. It looked like this was the guy, and then all of a sudden, George W. He comes in. He um, comes in like what second or third in in the New Hampshire primary. Ends up winning, and then they infuse his campaign with cash after mm-hmm. he lost where did the cash come from you ask that question you're a conspiracy theorist well now i like to call myself a conspiracy Factist. factualist yeah, yeah. and by the way there are some crazy theories out there you know that and i'm of the opinion that some of these crazy theories are manufactured to make us look make us look <laughs> crazy yeah you know? i mean uh, in the wake of the bo- the marathon bombing in boston we heard there were legless veterans that were hired just to you know pretend to that's crazy and i said come on i mean I mean, you know, that's that that's ridiculous. Yeah. Especially when I knew uh, there was a young lady that was in the vicinity. Her ears were ringing. She was yeah. across the street. And and there was a the boy, the little boy that was killed was a um, my my wife has a daycare, but it was somebody in her not her immediate circles, but somebody yeah. uh, friends of, of theirs that one of the daycare parents. So I said, yeah, yeah these people died. And the Chinese girl, she yeah. could tie the range. Did you know that? She used to go to uh, Toa Nippi. She was part of Intervarsity. Oh, wow. So uh, I think she went to BU, was it, or yeah. Northeastern? I'm not sure which. And the pictures you saw of her on the media were taken here in Ringe. Yeah. So she's dead. That's a real, there's a real dead, some real dead people there, you know? But they do seem to make up these ridiculous yeah. theories that make us sound crazy if we ask. But the, this is the problem since there's so little, I mean, here are the two guys, would they wake up one day and say, hey, we got nothing to do. Let's let's get a low tech, a couple of low tech bombs. Yeah. It's a fun thing. Who backed them? We don't know. We know, you know, we know they have Muslim background, but who enabled them? Right. The only, I think the only people that got prosecuted besides, oh, one was dead and one was captured and, and was the, uh, a couple of their, after the accessories after the fact. Yeah. 
What about before the fact? Who gave What them? about the mosque in Boston? Who built the mosque and put the money, you know? Yeah. It, because it goes to Mayor Menino. And they don't want to talk. I'm not suggesting Menino would, but, you know, right. Menino had a soft and, heart for the Muslims. And, and we're not we're not saying know. that the mosque was involved with the bombing either, but that's just a crazy theory out there. And we're just grasping at tra- straws trying to figure out who did this. I think that these are questions that any any uh, anybody any minor league detective would ask. You know, yeah. Who benefits? What's the purpose of this? You see, yeah. I mean, when nine eleven happened, was it just what those? How many was it? Nineteen or eleven or whatever? Was it just I those think it was men? Nineteen, yeah. Yeah, there were nineteen hijackers. There were a lot of other people involved in that. That was quite a plan. How did yeah. it, you know? And then when you ask questions like, where did the money come from? Who? Where did the training come from? Well, wasn't there a place in Florida where they wanted to learn not how to fly a plane, but how to... How to, how to, how to, how to just, fly the airplane. How to just fly. They, they don't, don't want to... I mean, yeah. I don't know. The most difficult thing would be the takeoff and the landing. They don't want to know how to take off. They don't want to learn how to take off. Yeah. They don't want to know how to land. They just want to know how to fly the plane. That's yeah. a little well, sketchy. Well, it's already in, in, the, in the air, yeah. Yeah. So... It's I know God. It sounds so crazy to say this. We like we know they are among us, mm-hmm. and we joke about how um, they're not they're not the everyday postal workers. They're no. not the people who like they're just the clerks at the IRS. This is this. These are just the the elites who run these. And the local the, bank president and the teller are not part of the right. Uh, of the, are not, they're not raising. Uh, infl- they're not in, part, in charge of the inflation. The problem with yeah. inflation we have. How other ways do we know that there is a deep state? Well, I think the Kavanaugh issue was pretty uh, pretty obvious. You know? What ha- What happened? For people who have not been paying attention, you know, to the right side of the aisle narrative, what's what's the what is the conservative narrative about what happened to Kavanaugh? Well, um, well, I, the, go ahead. Well, the, our, our premise here in the United States is you're innocent until proven guilty. That was flipped around to he was guilty until proven innocent. Or guilty until period because we don't like what he stands for right yeah and there's a lot of things about how this this woman um professor ford came forward she sent a letter to diane feinstein and said hey listen i think this is the guy who had assaulted me or bullied me in at the prep school please keep my name anonymous. Mm-hmm. And then Diane Feinstein released her letter, mm-hmm. outed her at the at the last moment, mm-hmm. at the last minute. Right. And I thought that I thought that was that I think I thought that was bad. How long was she sitting on it? How know? long was she sitting on it and then she sprung it at the last minute just before and why the Feinstein? Why didn't she go Why didn't she say I mean I understand a lot of women don't want to talk I, I, but 40 years later but there was some connection. Um, I guess her there was a foreclosure that he yeah. was, Kavanaugh was involved with her parents. Her, his his parents allegedly were responsible for foreclosing on her parents' house. I believe. Well, you know what? No one likes a foreclosure, but you don't blame the sheriff. I mean, you know, usually you don't blame the sheriff right. for doing what he. You know, hey. Feinstein held the letter up for two three weeks, and and then the. The deep state politicians, the left, got to her and said, hold on to this. She had to have revealed to somebody that she had this letter. They said, hold on it, we can use it. And then I think I think Ford, uh, Dr. Ford never learned that the Republicans had offered to give her a chance to testify in private 
without the media involved, yeah. and she didn't know that. And so it just became a circus and to the advantage, supposedly, of all the Democrats. Because let's, let's be honest, if, if Kavanaugh really was a dirtbag, we'd like we'd like to know before he's concer- confirmed and, right. and kicked to the curb That's we right. don't we don't want him on the supreme court just because you know he was nominated by the president if you know th- and this is the reason why we have these confirmation hearings you know get it out before it becomes a, a public spectacle and that's i think that it was i think it was sort of engineered as a public spectacle and people have been worked up in the lather go ahead please. yes because uh he had six FBI background checks previously, and some of this stuff should have come out in those background checks years past, because he's been on the court for 25 years as a judge in the he worked federal for, courts. He worked for George W. He was on uh, Air Force One. You don't right. get on Air Force One if you're, uh, if you're a threat if you're, to uh, That's yeah. right. So, so this whole thing, the, the letter, going back to the letter, the letter was sent to her representatives and the House representatives, and that representative gave it to Feinstein, so that gives her protection to the woman who sent the letter. Yeah. Because if it's sent straight to Feinstein, who sits on the committee, then anything that's in that letter that's mis- misleading could come back to the uh, author of the letter. So by giving it to the representative, she had billed herself some protection. So it makes you wonder why that was done. I don't, yeah. So there's all kinds of things in this story that looks like there's a deep state involvement of creating this atmosphere of uh, of doubt among the people. Yeah, let's move on for a, a moment. Let's talk about the deep state in media, um, all the major networks. Mm-hmm. Is there any evidence at all that the deep state is somehow in control of you know the nightly news? Is there any evidence that there the deep state is in you know, the, uh, like the news organizations like Fox and, and MSNBC and newspapers? Well, what you do is uh, do a poll of the journalists and how they vote. Okay. Or what parties they belong to. That's sort of an indication. Watch, go on YouTube and put down media meltdown at Trump, ele- Trump election. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's the same, and you know, it's the same people as uh, ABC, CBS, NBC. But if you look at the history of these organizations, the founders, these guys were psychological warfare operatives. Um, NBC, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. He came from Russia. And uh, the, these guys were psychological operatives. Uh, he was actually a general in the U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. He was a Basically, uh, he wasn't a soldier or anything like that, but he was advising the Roosevelt administration. He was the founder of NBC. So it goes back, you know, from the very beginning. It's not something that just happened over the last few years. You just look at the editorial content. Look at the Keen Sentinel. Yeah. You know, look at uh, the Concord Monitor. You you got maybe the union leader is uh, moderately conservative, but not exactly uh, Mm. a right-wing rag, you know, when when old old Bill Loeb uh, and Nancy Loeb are running it, right? The Boston Globe is notoriously left. Um, actually, there was a, that when the CFR was founded, the Council of Foreign Relations was founded, it was a meeting in 1919 in Paris, France. Uh, it was English and American and, uh, elements in both countries. In 1921, it was formalized, but they asked questions. And they said, yep. what is the best way to control, you know, to, to control opinion? And they say through the newspapers. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to buy every newspaper. They don't even have to buy the newspaper, but control the editorial con- content. Yep. And you could see where the money came from. I mean, the New York Times, back in the 1870s, was railing to, to outlaw abortion. Yep. States to pass laws to outlaw abortion. What happened to it? It's become a far-left newspaper. 
the Boston Globe, the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, on and on. The good news is that they're losing circulation big time. Right. There was a rally four or five years ago to, to uh, save the Boston Globe. You know, I said, well, you know, you're making progress. So, again, it's uh, it's the blogs. It's the, um, it's yeah. the you know, things like what you do here are a great. So people don't go to the daily newspaper anymore. So but the daily newspapers have been, for the most part, uh, chirping the same leftist left wing yeah. line. And if you look at the editors of these newspapers, look at the membership of the CFR, you know, look at some of these uh, some of these well-known anchors, uh, Dan, uh, Walter, Walter um, Cronkite. Cronkite, which means bad health in German, right? Cronkite. <laughs> he was a big world federalist. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't know. In fact, um, he was uh, he got the world. He got the Norman Cousins Award. And the time Hillary's Hillary's the first lady. I, I believe it's uh, Clinton was president. She was the first lady. Oh, and he gets this award, and she's praising him. Uh, and he was just talking about it, advocating one world government. Well, do you think he was had a bias when he's reporting the news all those years? He must have. You know the Vietnam. I mean, he was a friend. Everyone relied on Walter Cronkite. He's right. just one example. Herbert Matthews is another example. Herbert Matthews would work for the New York Times. He went to Cuba's, uh, and he interviewed Fidel, and he thought Fidel had this incredible network. You had a handful of bandits, mm-hmm. you know, but he got his job to New York. Before that, it was uh, Walter Durante. Walter Durante went to the Russia in the height of the Ukrainian famine, mm-hmm. and he said, I've seen the future, and it works. He yeah. was praising these scoundrels. Right. So people in this, you know, United States would think, well, Stalin's not such a bad guy. I mean, the New York Times says he's great. In fact, who was it? Uh, Malcolm Muggeridge, who was a leftist at that time, was so disgusted by what he was doing. I guess when he was covering the Spanish Civil War, yeah, uh, that's what that changed him. He became quite the Christian apologist too. But he was—you can find him on video. Uh, Malcolm Muggeridge criticizing Durante, and that's just again one. And it, and it was interesting too. Uh, Karl Marx used to write for. Uh, that was one of the papers. Who was the guy that said, "Go west, young man, go west." Uh, Oklahoma uh, he was a New York, Rogers no no he was a New York journalist New York uh, oh, but anyway I'll he want, used to write for his paper Karl Marx used to write for this guy's newspaper yeah. a lot yeah. of people don't realize that uh, yeah well, the name, then, when I drive home I'll say oh I know he's going to call me up and he's going to say Eric I remember who that was that always happens yeah, or it's yeah. in, in the shower well to answer your question about the, the paper so you have to remember all the media is owned by five people, yeah. five corporations. And if you ever look at uh, a news story comes out, you can turn on CBS, CNN, ABC. They all got the same words in the headline. Yeah, there is a YouTube video of all of these local network affiliates. Right. And so they all like got the reading, same input. Reading a script, exactly. So they're being controlled by the deep state. They're their agenda, what they want to put out. Yeah. Is there any evidence? Oh, yeah, Horace Greeley. He's the one that's Horace no, Greeley. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Google. All hail Google. And speaking of Google, now Hal, um, one of the things that you had mentioned in um, going through your slides real quick, and it caught my eye as a as a as student of conspiracy facts. Um, quick mention of Operation Northwoods. Uh, not Northwoods. We'll talk to Mo- about Northwoods in a minute. Operation Mockingbird. Mockingbird. Yeah. Whereas the CIA actually had hired operatives to work in the media to alter and change 
And I think that opinions. was in the fifties and sixties. Fifties and sixties. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any evidence of there being a a Operation Mockingbird? Well, obviously there is, but uh, it's, it's just a question of uh, you know who's going to. The information's there, you know. Yeah. No. Now, what what about? Now, I, I remember I, I spoke about a man um, that I had debated, a man named Teddy Conant, C O N A N T. Now, I, if he's still living, he'd be in his 90s. I, mm-hmm. I, last time I checked, he was living in New York City, but he had lived up in um, Hanover, you know, Dartmouth area, Dartmouth College. And we, we had a debate on the radio show, and I drove him to his uh, meeting at the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, and he told me that um, the CIA was h- hired to steal books out of the libraries, of written, a book written by a colleague of his. And he, didn't, he said, if you ever quote me on this, I'll deny it. You know, but he's so. passed away now, so you can say. What <laughs> I don't know if he has. I better be. You know, yeah. Yeah, we better. We better <laughs> be careful. But of course, what happened in the '60s? Like, like I mentioned, a book written by David Rockefeller, Memoirs, yeah. 2004 yeah. or five. He yes. spilt the beans, but you know, where was the media coverage? There yeah. wasn't any. It was just guys like you talking about it. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. The Attorney General said, "Hey, you admitted that you were a part of this cabal to have a world government." Well, isn't that treason? Yeah. If, def, if it's not if it's not treason, it's definitely something here. It's something, like it's, espionage. It's, yeah, or, yeah, something sketchy. Yeah, there's something wrong here. Yeah, and and it was uh, not even a blip on the radar. Does the deep state control Google, Facebook, Twitter? Well, I think it's pretty obvious they do. Because look look who they who they're shutting down. When was the last time you think they give Cenk Uger's YouTube channel any community strikes? <laughs> you know, you I don't know. Ch- I mean, I'm not sure what a community strike is because I haven't had any. But they we they demonetized our channel, which is just a little tiny blip. You know, not not quite a million views yet. Uh, but it, you know, it's like kill the infant in the cradle, right? Kill. Right. <laughs> They've demonetized a lot of mostly YouTubers. conservatives. Yeah. Well, in some cases, if they just demonetize, he just, I had a friend of mine, he had a couple of, uh, I don't know, 10,000 uh, subscribers and a couple of million views, and he put stuff on about um, uh, Sandy Hook on there. Yeah. He's just videotaped. He's not, I don't know if I agree with this. This is what somebody has to say about it. And yeah. and this was, what, four, four years ago when it happened? Four or five years ago? And he just lost his channel. I mean, it's gone. You know, all those videos, every other video that has disappeared. Like if you just make a commentary about the coverage of Sandy Hook, yeah, you yeah. get you get slapped down hard for it. If you just criticize the media coverage of a suit, like an event, like they'll take a hurricane and they will turn it into a twenty-four hour a day, seven day a week. Um, and in your face fiasco. And it's climate change and it's Trump's fault, you know. Right. Or Dick Cheney's <laughs> fault, you know, or whatever. But the thing is that it was just like, I mean, I'm sure that you remember the whole story about the the water in Flint. You, you couldn't. That's right. Yeah. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing about Flint. And then all of a sudden you don't Nothing. hear about Flint anymore. What about, the Las, what about the Las Vegas shooter? That was the news. We don't for, he, and I don't know. After that, it's for a, two weeks. Yeah. You couldn't. And then all of a sudden they move on to another controversy. Yeah, yeah. And then if you remind people Flint does not have clean water yet, they still have filthy water coming out of their pipes. Mm-hmm. Why? How come we're not talking about that anymore? How come we're not talking about Flint anymore? You're a conspiracy theorist because we've all moved on. And we have an American people have a terribly short memory. Yeah. Do you think that that's intentional? Do you think that that's on purpose? I, I believe that, so, yeah. I believe so. Cre- 
cre- uh, cre- creating chaos. Who was that? Uh, the former uh, the mayor of uh, Chicago when he worked for Obama. Um, he said, uh, Eman- Rob Emanuel, Emanuel, never let a good um, crisis, crisis, go, crisis to waste. go to waste. It's yes. amazing how everybody crisis. remembers that. There was yeah. a cartoon uh, I saw no, years ago, and it was in the 70s, this magazine. It was a Nelson Rockefeller, and someone asked, Governor, or Mr. Mr. Rockefeller, do you folks plan to solve the problem? He said, of course we do. Why do you think we created? (laughs) (laughs) Who was that? Uh, uh, Bill Richardson out in California. I think he's the one that wrote that that, that cartoon. Yeah. Do you think that there is a paradigm shift here in the United States where we're no longer looking at somebody who belongs to a party and say, oh, we're going to vote for him because he's a member of our party? Do you think we're actually digging deeper into candidates and, and, and looking at them and saying, hey, look, even though he belongs to my party, he ain't no good? So. Well, I know that happened in Massachusetts. I know what happened. Now, I live in the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Trump got something like 38,000 votes. No, that's not a whole lot. That fills Fenway Park. You know, but still, there aren't 38,000 registered Republicans in, in Boston. There's probably you know, less than half of that. So who's voting? There's unenrolled. But there's some Democrats who say, you know what, I'm not telling anybody who I'm voting for. Yeah. Well, I might, have a, I might have a Hillary Clinton sign, but I'm pulling the lever for Trump. So I would say to some extent, and it might be enough to make a difference. It's not, a whole, it's not like half the people are rejecting the Democrat Party, but maybe a percentage that make a difference in, in a close election. There's no question in my mind that it was the Democrats, the Democrat voters, who crossed the aisle and voted for Trump. Yeah. I, I, well, a guy that I've known a few well, people. look at their candidate. Well, that's right. They, yeah, I mean, you run someone that bad, you know? Because I just I just published a review of uh, Thomas Frank's book, Listen Liberal. And he, Thomas Frank, explains why there is such anger and rage with the working middle class here in the United States. It's because of people like the Clintons and all these candidates, all these politicians who are alleged Republicans, alleged liberals who are pushing forth these trade agreements that make it easier for large corporations. And they're partnering with the big, huge, giant tech companies to quell dissent. And it's all about the money. Yes, we have somebody here in the audience who's, who's doing the, 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 the money symbol with the rubbing the two fingers together there. But I mean, the, it's, there is this sort of sense of, we know now, we know it's wrong. We know the political machine. Well, look at West Virginia. Okay. West Virginia had been a Democrat state how many years? As long as I can remember. And what happened? Donald Trump won it by what? Yeah. 70? A, lar- a, pr- a large well, percentage. The energy, yeah. the energy issue, the coal. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the average coal miner was a union Democrat. Right. But when Hillary Clinton said, we're going to shut those mines down and they're going to be flipping hamburgers, and they said, wait a minute now. And Donald Trump said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep, we're going to open them up. Yeah. And what's the first thing he, one of the first things he did, I remember the executive order. I think he, yeah. it was like a day or two after the uh, inauguration and he had all the coal miners around. He couldn't believe how fast. <laughs> you don't yeah. think you're going to get it. So, so yeah, and, and you see all these people in the Midwest. Look at Ohio. Ohio, yeah. was, it was close. Michigan, they've all been hard hit by NAFTA. We have too, but not as bad here in the Northeast, but not as bad right. as the... You know, I remember seeing carrier air conditioning back in the, maybe the mid-90s going out to Syracuse and seeing a lot of people, a lot of cars in the parking lot. You go there now and they're downsized next to nothing. You know, made, made in Mexico. 
there is the outrage. Or China. Mexico yeah. was doing it for a while, and then China out, uh, China outbid a lot of the Mexican companies, so they're yeah. making them in China now. There is a lot of outrage out there mm-hmm. from the working class who have seen what the Democrats have done to unions. Yeah. And the thing is, is that there's sort of the sense of, well, we're getting screwed by the Republicans. We're getting screwed by the Democrats. We need to find, we need to do one of two things. We either need to take back our political parties or we need to look at a third party mm-hmm. and see what we can do. I mean, well, uh, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Greg Mira, who lives in Richmond, New Hampshire, yep. he very, a very wise thing he said to me. He said, Trump is, is really, in essence, a third party candidate. Yeah. He was not too well liked by most of the party people. He wasn't liked by the Democrats, yet he ended up winning the election. Let's talk about what's going on with the establishment um, political parties, where we you look at these people who are lifelong politicians. You look at somebody like, I mean, John McCain. John McCain was in office, like right up to six months before he passed away. Right. Ted Kennedy, um, another conspiracy theory. I think it's kind of weird that both Ted Kennedy and John McCain died of the same brain cancer cancer, and they died on the same day but in different years that's a little that's a little twilight zone for you i I don't know about it it's a it's a funny it's a funny conspiracy theory coincidences do exist on on occasions you know but but but, um but there is this sort of uprising that's coming where we're looking at the career politicians and it's like i mean i can knock jeff zuckerberg all day until i'm blue in the face but he did bring to light when, when he was had his a hearing, a congressional hearing, and the uh, you know the, the congressmen were asking him odd questions like, "How does Instagram work? How does Twitter work?" And, so, and the the tone of their voice was sort of like they're asking their nieces and nephews, "What's yeah. a Twitter? What's a right, tweet?" Right. They're they're out of touch. They out don't touch. Yeah. they don't know what they're talking about. They're talking. We're talking about people who have spent their entire political careers in Washington on both sides of the oh, aisle. I, I heard. I saw a, a video of a congressman from uh, Georgia asking a, a naval official about Guam and the population of Guam and that too many people it will tip. Yeah, is that unbelievable? I, <laughs> he was serious. He too. said with the island tip, and the poor the poor admiral was trying to keep a straight face. Well, no, it doesn't. You know, it won't. It that, doesn't work like that. It, it's not, that it's it won't tip or it won't sink. It just yeah. be loaded with people. <laughs> he said, "I think we got on so, yeah. But you see, that reflects the voters too. The voters put these people in. You know, people say we need to have term limits. We do have do, term limits yeah. every but two the years, every question, four years. The, the yeah. party apparatus on both sides controls everything. So young people who want to do something, make a meaningful change, are fighting a tremendous battle to break through that strong party control. I mean, look at the last election here in New Hampshire. Yep. Where the Democrats had these super super delegates. The people voted for Sanders. Yes, that's right. And they, and they came out in their party and voted Hillary. Uh, somewhere, I think it was 68% of the popular vote went towards Bernie Sanders. He clobbered her. Yeah. But the establishment, the superdelegates, gave half the win to Hillary. Correct. Essentially giving the win to Hillary. And that right. didn't happen just in New Hampshire. That also happened um, in other states, in other primaries as well. The superdelegates gave the win to Hillary when Bernie Sanders was obviously the clear winner. Until during the primary season when Bernie Sanders supporters looked and they saw, hey, the gig is up. And the thing is, is that, is this going to come and bite them in the fanny? 
Well, they already this, changed their stance. They, 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 they have. Changed, they've changed. They've changed. The superdelegates. The, the, the superdelegates. But the thing is, is that there could be an argument made, whereas there are still Democrats who are angry about what they did to Bernie Sanders. Oh, yes. Yes. The question is, where do they go? The question is, where did they go? And are they going to forget what happened in 2016 well, you know, because get, of Kavanaugh? They get guys like Michael Moore, yep. who was a big, he's a socialist, big Bernie guy. Yep. And he was railing against Hillary being part of the big corporations. And, and then he comes around and says, well, she's changed. She's now listening to us. Well, that's baloney. Yeah. But he ended up backing her. So and I'm, I don't know how many people end up uh, because of his his rhetoric and others that that Cenk Uger was another one. Yeah, he was there, uh, very much anti-Hillary. Then became pro-Hillary. He just just switched like that. So, so I <laughs> again yeah. we got a new, we well. Got you know about Cenk Uger? I just uh, I'm watching. I don't I don't watch. I don't know where I, it was a clip. I don't think I actually yep. watch. I yep. can't stand watching this listening to this guy. But he got a twenty million donation from some left wing businessman. Twenty million dollars. He's got a YouTube channel with a with a foul mouthed assistant, you know. Yeah. And, and then he's got I mean one other two people. Yeah. Of course, he did found that group called Wolfpack. But I mean, that's a lot of money, you know. And and I just I just shake your head and say these guys get funded. You know, we're, we're, we're looking for gas money, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Somebody said uh, years ago. He said there was a radio show host. He said. Uh, the left, the, the establishment, he said, they fly on jet planes and we're looking for a pencil to write down an 800 number, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that's, I think that that is. Um, well, I think the only way you're going to break the system is to change the way the elections are funded. Here in New Hampshire, we have a House resolution that was passed last year Yeah. where you can only accept money from a person, and this is for federal elections, that you can only accept money from a person who can vote in your election. Mm. That's amazing. I don't understand. I, and I don't even understand why is, how could that be an issue? How can... Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of people don't understand it and don't want to change. But it passed about, I think it was almost two-thirds of the majority it passed mm-hmm. here in New Hampshire. And that means that the, you have to go out and meet your neighbor and meet your, your constituents face-to-face and get their vote without the money. Wow. Okay. That, that was one of the key things uh, prior to that, uh, Bill, that helped uh, Custer create a huge bank account for her funding of her campaign. She got, did she get a lot of out-of-state money? Oh. Yeah. And what? Didn't he have, it was his wife's parents uh, from California, and yes. they were, I mean, tons of money. Yeah. 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 yeah so. Uh, Custer was also a uh, lobbyist, I understand, prior to getting into politics, but she had connections all over and got a lot of money from Midwest wealthy people. I think that's just insane how people are able to actually hack other elections in other states, even local elections. Well, then you have super PACs. Yeah. Super PACs are not supposed to actually communicate with the candidate. But if you're running and I'm a super PAC supporting, I'll just go out and trash my opponent. And again, that's not, I mean, if it's honest, they're factual information. Yeah. But so the super PACs can have, can have a, although the super PACs don't always win. Big money doesn't always win in elections. No. Yeah, what's his name? Larry Lessig, um, another article, big Article 5 supporter, a Harvard lefty. He created something called Mayday Pack. And he only, all the money he spent, the only person I think was a Republican who was a shoe in anyway, like South Carolina right. Jones, I think. Is, 
So, I mean, he picked a winner, but the guy had a good chance of winning. Money didn't make a difference. But all the other people, Jim Rubens, he backed, right? Jim Rubens didn't right. even make it to the primary. Right. So just it's like the team with the biggest payroll doesn't always win the pennant or the Super Bowl. Yeah, right? you need talent. So sometimes the teams uh, that don't. So that's that's the way it does. So big money doesn't always work that way. But there is a case right here in New Hampshire and affects Cheshire County. We have a senator, sitting senator, Ruth Ward, who is being challenged by a lady who just moved to New Hampshire recently who has over $60,000 of money from out of state mm -hmm. for, a, for a state job that pays a hundred dollars why because of their agenda the democrats are, are determined to unseat republicans just cause yes I'm, I'm a little speechless when you hear stuff like that <clears throat> it's how it's at taxes they yeah, they all, so they want to raise taxes here in the United States. You know, their in, agenda in, is, is if we get a broad-based tax. The Democrats want a broad-based tax. You mean an, an income tax? An income tax yeah. or a sales tax? Oh, yeah. They want a yeah. broad-based tax. Because yeah. the thing is, is that whatever is happening in New Hampshire, I mean, this this is a national show. This is an, also an international show. I have listeners all over the, all over the globe who listen to this. But, the, but this is... You look at whatever's happening in New Hampshire, it works for New Hampshire. It may not work in other states. And you have people who don't live in New Hampshire contributing campaign funds to politicians just because they want to goof the system, I guess. I mean, it, other than the fact that it's like, well, I mean, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to change the paradigm in New Hampshire? Are they trying to, you know, raise revenues for whatever programs that they have going on? I, I'm having a hard time trying to wrap my brain around why would they want to do this other than just control? I don't. Well, control is a big factor. Don't forget, the uh, uh, 2000, we have Governor Shaheen became governor. Yeah. And the Democrats controlled the House for, oh, what, almost eight, ten years. And then they lost it, and now the Republican control. So they they want their power back, and they're going unseat as many Republicans as they can. And Just bringing people from out of state and funding from out of state for a state job that pays a hundred dollars. Now the thing is, is that again, you you look at these politicians who are elected into office. It doesn't pay a lot. How is it that you have these politicians who go in? They're they're broke, but now that's like they're millionaires. Ten, they have tens of millions or hundreds of millions, but they're only getting paid a couple of. Not here in New Hampshire, maybe the federal well, no, level. But on the federal <laughs> level, you look at the, you look at these people who are congressmen and senators. They go in, they're broke, or or they're they only have a couple of hundred thousand dollars to their name. And by the time that they leave, I can think too right now. Sounds Who? like sounds Bill like and Hillary. Hillary. I, Bill and Hillary. Right too, yeah, they <laughs> set the up. They set up foundation. They set up a foundation, and uh, when Hillary was Secretary of State, you know, Bill's out there making speeches, getting paid thousands of dollars. I don't know what he said. It was that that hundreds important. Of hundreds, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of dollars, and oh yeah, twenty percent of our uranium output too goes to a, a Russian uranium concern, one, and they just yes. happen to make a nice donation, you know, to the f foundation. But you have these corporations. And you have these large, huge banks like Goldman Sachs 
paid like what half a million dollars for an hour-long speech from Hillary what is she saying that is so important or is that for is I would say what you said you said on your show was worth a whole lot more than what she was paid for (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is is like is that for services rendered you know past services the thing about foundations is that's considered legitimate you know you know, uh, and, and that's how the Kennedy Kennedy family had all their money in foundations as well. And old Ted could fly around the world and charge it to the foundation. They said, "Yeah, I want to see somebody here in Europe. I want to see somebody here." You know, I I get a vac- the, the foundation owns the home, and uh, you know, in in, the, in South America, what have you. So, I got to start my own foundation. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with the foundation, you know. As long as it's a legitimate foundation. In fact, there's a foundation called the Samuel Blumenfeld Literacy Foundation. And uh, Bill McNally, I think some of you might know Bill, he mm-hmm. just asked me if I would assume its head leadership. And I said, sure. And we don't even have a bank account yet. So it's not, we're going to be, we're not going to be taking over the public schools anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just briefly, because you wanted to say a little bit something about Operation Northwoods. For people who don't know what Operation Northwoods was, what was it and why is it important today? I am not an expert on Operation Northwoods. Okay. So I, uh, I, I'm not, I can't, it was the 1950s. It was a CIA uh, operation, but I'm not, I can't say I'm an expert on the subject. So Yeah, they want, they, it was a false, it was supposed to be a false flag operation where, um, there was supposed to be a terrorist attack that was staged by the U.S. military and mm-hmm. the CIA. Mm-hmm. And then they were going to blame the Cubans as a legitimate reason That's to go right. to war. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, how much, and again, this is a question I'm sure that people are, are begging me to ask you, how much of the CIA is involved in the, in the deep state? Does the CIA control? It's part and parcel of the deep state. It's one of the many entities. Amen to that. And as I said uh, at the presentation, the CIA was set up. It they had to change its name. It was called the OSS, Office yep. of Strategic Services, which began in World War II. In the middle, of, towards in the early to middle parts of our involvement, World War II, the man who founded it was no. His name was William Donovan, known as Red Donovan. I don't know if it's because he had red hair or his politics. Yep. yep. Uh, and he was a he had an R beside his name, Republican, and. It was brought to his attention that some of these people that he's, that he's hiring are communists. And yep. he's like, you better do something. He said, "We, I know they're communists. That's why we hired them. Right. So it's always been a left-wing organization, a far left. There's always been patriot. It's always a facade. Yep. And uh, and it became the CIA because it got too controversial. Under Alan Dulles. Yeah. On, on Alan Dulles. And uh, it. do you know what they do? Do you know what their mission is? We don't. You know, it's that's and they're not even supposed to operate in the United States. So we hear what they do. They do, and that's supposed to be operating at all in the United States. So, so that's one of the. And Senator Schumer actually was critical of uh, Trump, saying, "Hey, you better be careful when you go after go after the intelligence (laughs) community." Exactly. uh, He said they have what six ways of Sunday getting back with you. Did he say? Did he include assassination? He didn't say, but he said they get back. How they get back at you? You know, pull out some damning information about what you might have done forty or fifty years ago, or yeah. you know, maybe we have some. Uh, well, oh, and, that, and then that means they can blackmail them. Oh, you do have to go. I'm sorry. Uh, I say goodbye and, and tell people quickly about yourself and and what and uh, where can we find you on the internet? 
Um, or do you have an internet presence? I, I do not have an internet. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It was very enjoyable. Thank you. All right. So, so Jillian's like step up, you know, and <laughs> I'm not as versed on all the information. Oh, you do. As okay. Joe is. So, so, I got a little bit of a ride ahead of me. Okay. So the yeah. thing is, is it and and the hour is almost up. So let's here's here's a perfect way to end this. Um, what can we do about the deep state, and how can we put an end to everything that's going on? Well, the first thing is uh, read the Constitution, understand the Constitution. Uh, you might want to go to our YouTube channel, Camp Constitution, and look up uh, some of our incredible instructors, Chris Ann Hall, for example, a constitutional scholar. Um, look, you know, so watch some of those programs. Uh, I have a presentation that I did uh, up in Maine on YouTube called The Deep State. There's a book I recommend called The Shadows of Power yep. by James Perloff. You can get it on Amazon for several dollars. That will give you a good handle on it. And there's some books that have come out on the deep state recently. I have not read them, so I yeah. can't say. But if you just do a search and, you know, you do your own uh, look, look at it, you know, do some of your own research. Uh, so there's a lot of information out there. But then it's a question of what do you do with it? Share it with your neighbors. Get involved in some respect. Help what we do. Help out what we do. If you're a, uh, you live in a certain town, if you live, you live in Ringe, I don't know how many listeners you have in Ringe, get involved with the yeah. process. Dozens. We have dozens you know? here in Ringe. <laughs> and get involved. They need to, you know, get involved. Uh, learn, again, study the Constitution. Learn about it. And then once you do that, you know when the people are doing the wrong thing. It's most, most of the time. When, yeah. you're elected, when you're elected officials are doing the wrong thing and take right to the local newspaper or, or you know, light or you know, everything's online now. Do it for the yeah. online process go out there and distribute information Just and pa pass out constitutions you and, know. and vet your politicians regardless exactly. of political party they vet work them. for you you know they don't they're, they're not our masters we're supposed to be their bosses yeah. to get to understand them host meetings you want to get a hold of get a hold of me through our website campconstitution.net and we could depending where you may be in the united states we could put you in touch with people in your neighborhood yeah. i'm also working with tom deweese of the american policy center so between the, you know the two entities there's people and probably in your not too far from you who have the same concerns who have been in touch with us and uh, you know you get you can form a group form us like here in Ringe, you have save our town yeah that was formed in the wake of exposing agenda 21 so start a save our town group start a camp constitution uh, club you know get involved in, in see a lot with party what I like about your group here it's education and election it's not just just vote for the guy with the R beside his name yeah but become an informed voter and vote for the person who, who not just with the R and D, but the person who's going to uphold the Constitution. Yeah. I'd like to add another thing is it's so important to get involved in your local politics, to know what's going on and and run for um, positions and get very involved with your school board. Mm -hmm. the, the school board, uh, the school education, I think, is very poor in New Hampshire, although some people say it's excellent. But with all of the Common Core, they've really downgraded the ability for students to learn today, and it's a shame. Yep. So getting involved is key. You need to introduce yourself, uh, just oh, really quickly. I'm Jillian LaPlatinier, and I'm chairperson of the Ringe Jaffrey Fitzwilliam Republican Committee. I'm on the board of trustees for the library. I'm the chair of the, the 1894 Association for the Library. It's a 501c3, uh, raising funds to build a library and expand it. And um, 
I volunteer. I'm almost a professional volunteer, but I love it. There you go. Well, thank you, the two of you. And all of our other guests who are here tonight, I really appreciate you guys. Um, And you also have an open invitation. You can either come on, sit down with me here, um, or we can can do a phone interview. And it's like, if you have something hot to say, just come on. Say, Eric, I got to talk about this. Always, always there. Thank you. All right. Terrific. All right. Thanks. This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show, sponsored by our Zazzle page. You can find plenty of products with our logos and slogans, such as t-shirts and coffee mugs. There are more products on the way, so check back often. Support us and show off your style by going to zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. You can also follow us on Twitter via our handle, at Fedora Chronicle. And join us on Facebook under groups slash Fedora Chronicles. We also have our own group, The Electric Speakeasy. Go to www.electricspeakeasy.com to join the conversations. Don't forget our main site, thefedorachronicles.com, where we have links to all of our columns, reviews, and all things retrocentric, including diesel punk, film noir, and other genres. It's the website geared toward looking at modern life in the 21st century through the lens of amateur historians, with a slight dose of self-deprecating humor. Finally, don't forget to check out our other podcast, The Metaphysical Connection. We just became the third best podcast for the paranormal, unexplained phenomenon, and conspiracy theories. Go to metaphysicalpodcast.com. It's the one podcast I guarantee you'll lose sleep over. This is Carol Fisk signing off for my husband, Eric Render King Fisk, who has to take out the trash, reminding all of you to keep your chin up and your fedora on. 